0: Welcome to the Gateway.live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. If you've got a Bible, turn to John chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, no worries, it'll be on the screen. This weekend we are finishing our series on evangelism entitled Can I Get a Witness. And this it, it truly is the climax of the entire series. This whole series has been working towards today, especially the last couple minutes of this message. But let me say at the beginning of the message that for some of you this is going to be uh, a frustrating message and Uh, a few of you might even get mad at me during this message and you need to understand I don't care (laughs) okay and here's why not because I don't care about you but remember part of my responsibility as a senior pastor is not to be your personal chef where I cut up your food in bite-sized pieces and make sure it goes down now eat the airplane that's not me okay and that's not the calling of a senior pastor it's more like a personal trainer and Some of you are getting ready for your New Year's resolutions and so you're gonna be back in the gym with your trainer and you need to ask yourself why it's been several months since you've seen your trainer. You know the answer because you hate them. You don't like them because they push you beyond your level of comfort. That is part of my job and that's what's gonna happen in this message. So uh, just embrace it and don't be worried about it. It's gonna be easy. We're family, no pressure, no stress, but what we're talking about today is really the most simple way I know how to teach people how to lead someone to Jesus. The title of this message is The Power of a Story. The Power of a Story, and we're gonna walk through the three simple steps that are involved in leading someone to Christ. Now, I know for some of you, Just the word witness or witnessing causes much consternation or even anxiety. They go, I'm not good at witnessing. I I, I don't know what to say. Listen, this is going to be so simple. And and you're going to realize you can do this. Maybe you've never done it before, but it's a lot easier than you think. And I want you to think about this series can I get a witness? is really a question from God's perspective. It's not a rhetorical question, but I want to personalize the question so that you really own it. Imagine if Jesus were answering, were asking you this question in this way. Will you be my witness? It's not a rhetorical can I get a witness from God's perspective. What if Jesus were saying to you, will you be my witness? Now, three steps that are really simple. I tried to make this as easy as possible for anybody who's never shared their faith with somebody before. Here's the first of the three steps. Point number one, learn their story. Learn their story. Look in John chapter four, starting at verse three, at this incredible encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well starting in verse 3 of John 4. So Jesus left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way, and eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. I love this verse. It doesn't say that Jesus showed up to the well for this Incredible encounter with the Samaritan woman woman bowed up with all strength going, I'm great and you're not. Jesus is sitting exhausted by the well, weary from his travels. Verse 7, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some snacks at the gas, gas station. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Now, Jesus was clearly a genius as it related to understanding interaction relationally. He clearly understood that one of the best ways to get a good response from someone is to give them the opposite of what they're expecting. Now that's what we talked about earlier in the series about coming in the opposite spirit. But Jesus gives this Samaritan woman the opposite of what she was expecting. That's why she was surprised. That word literally means she was shocked. She was expecting Jesus to stay away and yet Jesus didn't just stay away, he pursued her and she couldn't believe it. Now, how does this apply to us as believers in Jesus in today's time? Well, let me help you understand what your lost friends are expecting out of most Christians. They're expecting them to be the most talkative, chatty Cathy's on the planet. They're expecting Christians to be the preachers. You're just gonna preach at them. That actually works to our advantage. And if you're here and you'd say, I, I just struggle share my faith. I don't know what to say. Listen, if you know how to close your mouth, you know how to win in witnessing. Let me say it like this. One of the biggest secrets I have ever learned in witnessing is actually just listening. Just listening. I wish shutting up was a fruit of the Spirit (laughs) because then more of us would do it. But we're so busy talking about what we want to talk about instead of listening to what they want to talk about. Now, I this is going to shock some of you, but when I am talking with my lost friends who don't know Jesus, I never start off the conversation talking about Jesus. <gasps> What's wrong with the pastor? Why doesn't he lead off by saying, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you'd spend the rest of eternity? I tried that. It just pushes them away. I tried it. Didn't work. I don't start the conversation with my lost friends talking about Jesus. You know what I actually start the conversation talking about? Jesus' favorite subject, which just so happens to be the person's favorite subject. Because you know what their favorite subject is? Themselves. <laughs> and it just so happens to be Jesus' favorite subject them. Them. But we're so busy talking about whatever we want to talk about that we don't give them time to talk about what they want to talk about. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, speaking to us as believers. You must all be quick to listen and slow to speak. My kids really helped me understand this. Because years ago, Holly and I said, okay, listen, If you ever have a question that you need answered, you can always come to mommy and daddy and we'll help you find the answer, okay? You can ask us anything you want at any time. Then a couple years later, we were having a family dinner night and I started a new tradition and I said, hey, we're going to have what I call question time and I'm going to ask a question and we're all going to go around the table and answer it and then the person on my left will come up with a question and we'll all answer it until it gets back to me. It's question time. Okay, how many times do you think when we sit down for a family meal, my children have said, Daddy, can we have answer time where we come to you and ask the question and you give us the answers to life problems compared to how many times they sit down every family meal and say, Daddy, Daddy, can we have question time? Okay, why do they want question time and not answer time? Because they want to talk about their favorite subject themselves. That's what question time is, and here's what I've learned. Real love lets the other person talk more. That's what love does. You can tell just who the most important person in any conversation you're having is by measuring whom you let talk the most. When you talk the most, you are letting everybody in that conversation know you are what matters most to you. But when you Sierra and La Boca, (laughs) shut thy mouth and let them talk, it actually shows love. Now, what do you try and get them to talk about? Because we've all been in awkward conversations with our lost friends. How do we kind of break the ice? Well, I'll walk you through a little bit of a progression that I have used from time to time. It starts with first talking about what they're passionate about. One of the easiest ways to break the awkward ice is to get someone talking about what they're passionate about. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to say, hey, so what do you love to do? And they just take that question and run with it. And here's what it does. At some point, you're gonna talk about what you're passionate about. So you are trying to give as much respect to them about what they're passionate about. So you're not just going, oh, that's great. That's cool, yeah, awesome. No, 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 you're engaged in conversation excited about what they're passionate about. Man, I've always wanted to try that, that's cool. What's that like? You have any pictures? That's awesome, okay? I start with what they're passionate about. Then I move to their present, okay? A big part of their story involves where they are right now. So I ask questions like, so you married? You have kids? And obviously those would be questions I would ask someone I don't know very well. What do you do for a living? How long you lived here? And just kind of starts there. Tell me about where you're at. Then it transitions to, talk to me about your future. And I don't say it like that. What I'll say is, so that's where you are now. Where do you wanna be 10 years from now? Where do you wanna be 20 years from now? And it's amazing how people love to talk about what their goals and dreams are. And then I transition and sometimes it takes weeks and months to get to this part of the conversation, but then I transition to their past. And I'll do it saying something like this. So, has it always been like that? I mean, have you always wanted to do that? No, it goes back to when I was a child and kind of went through this. It was really rough. That's why I'm passionate about this today. Man, that's awesome. That's great. Let me give you a piece of advice. When you begin to talk to your lost friends about their past, whatever you do, whatever you do, do not start the conversation acting like a psychologist by saying, so talk to me about your past. That's just self-righteous and a religious spirit, okay? It's, hey, so tell me your story. Like, was it always like that? Tell, no, no, it was like this. Ah, oh, that's horrible. I'm sorry you've been through that. What'd you learn going through that? And then I, I kind of finished with problems. And I don't say it like that, but I'll kind of say it like this. Yeah, hey, I know you may not believe in God. That's totally, all right, no problem, no judgment from me. i believe in god i've seen god do some pretty amazing things in my life and i'd even call some of them miracles and i just want to know is there anything that i can be praying for you about yeah man we're going through a tough time my wife's struggling with this she got a really bad diagnosis i don't even believe in prayer but man if you want to pray to your god that that would be awesome i would love to i'll totally pray for you so you see kind of the progression and all i'm doing is saying, I care about your story. It's impossible to convince someone that you really do love them if you don't care about their story. One of the best ways to pave the way for introducing someone to Jesus is to simply listen. Learn from their story. That leads to point number two. The second step tell your story tell your story now notice two things i did not say in point number two i did not say tell the story i said tell your story okay your story is your story if you were here last week you saw pat one of my best friends share his story and when he went to share god's story in his story how did he do it he used football a football coach that's who he is through and through so he sat up here and he literally laid out a gospel presentation using football as his analogy and some of you might have been rolling your eyes going man what's the point of this football the amazing thing was several of his friends who are football coaches were in one of the service and you know what resonated most with them the football analogy why because God has wired you to tell your story in a way that resonates with the people in your life. God set it up that way. And remember, there's no wrong way to tell your story. Tell your story, not the story. But the second thing I didn't say in point number two was don't give answers. This is where Christians go really quickly. Well, I don't share my faith because I'm afraid of the questions they might ask and I don't know all the answers. I'm not good at apologetics and, and I, I, that's just not my thing. And, and so I don't, I don't even start the conversation about my faith because I know I can't answer the question. I didn't say give them the answers. Here's why. People can argue with your answers, but they cannot argue with your story. They can't. When you say, once I was blind, now I can see. That's inarguable. You can argue theology all day long, but you cannot argue with my story. Once I was lost, now I'm found. When Pat sat up here and said, man, for three decades I struggled with alcoholism, but God did something miraculous, and I don't even have the taste for alcohol in my mouth. Only God could do that. You can't argue with that. You can argue with With theology over theology all day long, but someone cannot argue with your story. You have to tell your story. Psalm 107 verses 1 and 2 says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. That literally means then shout it out. Tell others he has redeemed you from your enemies. Listen, this is your story. God's done something miraculous. But here's what concerns me it seems like many of us are more passionate about sharing the new restaurant we found than we are sharing the hope we have found in Christ Jesus. That cannot be. I cannot get more excited about the restaurant that serves the best banana nut pancakes I've ever tasted in my life than I get excited about the blood of Jesus that rescued me. And what kind of statement does that make to our lost friends when we are more passionate about a restaurant than we are about the gospel? Well, here's part of the problem. The reason we're not as passionate about it as much as we should be is we really don't do it as often as we should. In fact, many of us have never even told our story before. So, you know, this is part of my responsibility. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna have every person in this room connect with one other person that you didn't come to church with, okay? I'm gonna give you some time to start thinking about this because some of your hearts are racing very quickly and you're not even listening to what I'm saying right now because you're like, you're making me get out of my box. I'm not, I don't get out of my box. No, 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 I don't like this church and I hate you, pastor. (laughs) That's okay, I can handle it. But remember, this is what Jesus commissioned us to do to go to the ends of the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And part of sharing his story is telling our story. So let me help you. I'm going to give you in advance what we're going to do. You're going to connect with one other person that you didn't come to church with. And listen, you're going to have three minutes each, okay? And in the three minutes, I want you to take half of the time, and I'm going to help you with the time so you'll know, because some of you, you know, you like to talk a lot and you would love to take the rest of the day to share your story. That's great, I'm gonna make you do it in 90 seconds. The first 90 seconds, I want you to share your story of what life looked like before Christ. Then in the last 90 seconds, I want you to share your story of what life looks like after Christ. Now, I know maybe you've never done this before. Listen, there's no judgment, this is just practice. This is just practice. No one's going to be judging you if, if you're a little nervous or it's okay. And if, if you don't know Jesus, you don't need to feel any pressure at all to participate. But if you want to talk with somebody, here's what, what I'd ask you to do. Just spend the three minutes sharing your story. Tell your story. How, how'd you get here? How'd you grow up? How would you describe your life? Okay, and just do it in three minutes, all right? Now, Let me help you understand because I've gotten a lot of questions and and in church you hear this a lot. I don't really have a good story. And what they really mean is I didn't grow up sinning nearly as much as that guy did. (laughs) Right? Let me remind you, there's really two types of testimonies. One, majors on the love of sin before Christ where a lot of mistakes were made. But there's another really strong type of testimony and it's the one that focuses on the constant pursuing love of god before christ okay so don't say i don't have a story and i'm going to challenge you even if you grew up in church because i did i grew up a pk my whole life all right don't start off your testimony with i grew up in church (laughs) okay i'm going to take those words out of your vocabulary Right, because to your lost friends, they don't understand that. Don't start there with your story. That's cheating. Okay, you're like fast forwarding many many years. Go back to what life looked like. Well, Preston, I was six before I gave my life to Jesus. Okay, then wrap your mind around the fact that even at six, no matter how many good things you had done, you were completely separated from God because of your sin. Yet God was pursuing you the entire time with His love. So spend some time talking about that and what you've learned about the empty feelings that God has filled with His Holy Spirit. OK? Talk about that. But don't just say, "I grew up in church, never did, really did anything bad. You did enough to deserve hell." <laughs> right? Huh? Ah? Yeah, well, no, oppressed. Yes, you did. You did. Without the blood of Jesus, you were on your way to hell. But God, right? Okay, so I want you to get out of your seat. I want you to find someone. I've given you a couple minutes to cheat, kind of think about your story, all right? Don't be nervous. Find someone you don't know that you didn't come with. If you're watching this online, I want you to do this. If you're not with somebody, you can just let the clock keep going, and you can participate with us, but spend three minutes telling your story, all right? So I'm gonna give you about 15 seconds to find somebody, introduce yourself. Everybody's doing it, so don't feel awkward. Give you about eight seconds and one of you start, all right? All right, first person, go. 90 seconds, describe what your life looked like before Christ. Got about 30 seconds left to describe life before Jesus. All right, you should be transitioning to the best part of your story. Now describe what life looks like after Jesus. Got about 30 seconds left for the first person. You're doing great. Remember, no wrong way to tell your story. It's your story. All right, you should be transitioning to the other person. First 90 seconds, describe life before Jesus. Got about 30 seconds. Telling your life before Christ story. If you're watching online, you can be writing out the bullet points. If you're already done, the bullet points of your story. Start practicing. Get used to telling your story. 30 seconds, best part of the movie right here. 15 seconds. Start tying the bow. All right, way to go, hey. Some of you are like, I'm only one month into my life story. Okay, you can find your seat. Job well done. Let me, let me ask, okay? Let, just so you know, you're not alone in this, all right? How many of you were a little bit nervous to do that? Just put your hand up. How many of you were a little bit nervous? Look around, look around. You're not the only one, okay? But here's what I, I want you to learn. Your story is powerful. It's powerful, and no one can take your story away. That's why scripture so brilliantly says, this is how we overcome the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Your story has power, so don't hide it. Shout it. Tell your story, all right? Step one, learn their story. Step two, tell your story story but here's step three share his story jump down to verse 28 of John chapter four didn't have time to read the entire story but after this incredible encounter with Jesus that the Samaritan woman has listen to what happens verse 28 of John four the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Okay, hit the pause button there for a second. We oftentimes talk about the prophetic nature of this moment where Jesus prophetically or even a word of knowledge told this woman, well, that's right, you're not married because you've had five husbands and the man you're living with right now is not your husband. Okay, we talk about the prophetic side of that. We don't talk enough about the romantic side of that. Because what this woman is saying is, come meet the man who cares so much about me that he knew every part of my story. He knew everything about me. You have got to meet this man. She didn't even have all the answers. She'd just been walking with Jesus for a few minutes. And look, here's how you know. She says, could he possibly be the Messiah? You think? So the people came streaming. They came Running from the village to see Jesus. All because this one woman ran around and told her story. But have you ever thought about what it would look like to try and share his story in three minutes or less? I gave you three minutes to, to tell your story, but what would it sound like to scripturally, and this is kind of the path I walk, lost people down, don't always throw out the scripture, but I want you to see how every word aligns with scripture. What would it sound like if you were trying to tell his story in three minutes or less? I think it would sound something like this. God is the creator of all things. That's Genesis 1. Before anything was even created, God already was. That's Psalm 90. And God created man and woman and they messed up by doing what God said not to do. That's Genesis three. The Bible says we all did that. We all messed up. That's Romans three. The mess called sin created a problem. It separated us from God because God is perfect and holy. That's Isaiah 59. God could have gotten mad and turned his back on us because of our sin, but he didn't do that because he loves us too much to do it. That's Romans five. God had a plan all along to deal with this. That's 1 Peter chapter 1. His plan's name was Jesus. That's John 3. God sent Jesus. That's John 1. The son of God of the earth and he was born of a virgin. That's Matthew 1. This was God's way of saying, you should probably all be paying attention to this one of a kind baby. That's Isaiah 7. Jesus lived for 33 years on this earth and never once sinned. That's 1 Peter 2. This is important, you see, because a perfect and holy God cannot do nothing about sin. He has to deal with it, that's Romans 6. Since sin demands punishment, that's Romans 3, and Jesus never sinned, that's 1 Peter 2, Jesus could take your punishment, that's Romans 4. So Jesus lived the perfect life you couldn't, so he could die the death you should've, so you wouldn't have to be separated from God forever, that's 1 Peter 3. But here's the big question, why would Jesus willingly die for you, love? Jesus said there is no greater love than to die for someone. That's John 15. Let that sink in for a minute. Jesus died for you. That's 2 Corinthians 5. But I have even better news. Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead on the third day. That's Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 20. Here's why that's important. Jesus' victory over death proves that you don't have to worry about eternal death if you're a believer in Jesus. That's John 3. Now the two biggest words that describe life without Jesus are weight and void. And Jesus did something about both of these words. Have you ever felt a heavy weight about the dumb stuff you've done in your past? Or felt a heavy weight related to trying to pull off your everyday life? Jesus died to forgive you of that past weight, that's Romans six. And Jesus says that weight you're trying to carry every day, he'll carry it with you if you'll let him. That's Mark chapter 11. How about void? Have you ever felt like no matter what you tried, you just never completely felt fulfilled, well, Jesus died to give you real life and God, when this happens, places the Holy Spirit inside of you to fill the void in a way no money, booze, drugs, sex, success, or anything else ever could. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So let's recap. God created you, but sin separated you. So Jesus came for you because God paid for you. Jesus died for you. Why? So God would not have to spend eternity separated from you. And the question you might be asking is, why on earth would God and Jesus do that for me? There is only one answer, my friend. They are divinely obsessed with you in a way you can't wrap your mind around it. And here's what you have to do to get in on it. The Bible says all you have to do is to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God really did raise Christ from the dead and you will be saved. That, my friends, is Romans chapter 10. So the only question I have for you is, how about you, sunshine? You want in on some of this action? I want you to stand to your feet. And we're gonna worship in this house today. Because once you were lost, now you've been found. Once you were blind, now you see. Once you were a drunk, now God took that taste out of your mouth. He has done miracles in your life. If you know Jesus, we're gonna worship him with everything we've got because not only does our God reign, he has lifted uh, us up from the pit of death and given us eternal and abundant life. And if you can't celebrate that, your wood is wet. Let's celebrate our risen Lord and Savior. Thanks for joining us on gateway.live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.